Alrighty, welcome to another episode of the Church Lies Podcast, the podcast where we expose the lies of the church one scripture at a time. I'm your host, E-Dub. I'm joined by my co-host. Hey, how you doing? This is uh, this is uh, Mr. Uh, Patty Winkles, and uh, I'm here to talk to you about the wonders of Christmas. Hey, we have an exciting series that we're getting started with today we've been we've been waiting to do this series since we started the podcast ain't we yeah i mean um that's really why we uh took a week off because we wanted to make sure that um we we hit this right mm-hmm. that that sounded weird that we did this right. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so today so last podcast we we finished up the truth about tithing hopefully uh that helps you understand what tithing is really all about what it's supposed to be about and how the church is taking advantage of people with their ignorance of the scripture, not knowing that the tithe really is about food and that what you're giving to the church is an alm or a donation. It's not supposed to be 10% of your paper currency. So now we're going to get into tithing. But first, before we do that, we got some current event stuff that I think we need to talk about. Yes. Oh, what's Tell me what you think about this vaccine talk that's going on. I just want to get your opinion. Look, bro. Um, <laughs> after like just looking into it, I'm like, I, I don't really trust it. It's not a matter of like, it's just a matter of um, there are regulations that are placed on the vaccines where essentially it usually takes about what ten to fifteen years for them to, you know, be released to the public. But mm-hmm. they just shot this one up to what 10 months no maybe nine months and it just got approved and i'm like i don't know about that and they're like oh no it's fine because it it only has some miles uh short-term side effects i'm not worried about the short term i'm worried about the long term i'm wondering what what um what could this thing cause because there's a lot of stuff like a lot of red tape that just got just ignored, like because of how quote unquote dire the situation is. It was like, oh yeah, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna get rid of a lot of the regulations that were put in place, a lot of the safeguards that were put in place in order in efforts to get this vaccine out sooner. So that's where I'm like, um, was that really necessary? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that was really necessary. I've never seen you guys put this much effort into finding a vaccine. Or any of these other diseases. I mean, so, good night. The yeah. cold. Yeah, like the flu. Still here. AIDS. Like yeah. people have been dying from these things for how long? Yeah, cancer. But it was it was this this one where it was like, hey, yo, you know, this is the new kid on the block. Uh, we gotta we gotta do something. Let's go ahead and just uh, let's go ahead and us uh, just accelerate to the nth degree this vaccine. All right, you gotta cool. vaccinate it's everybody. Cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's cool to take. Mm, you don't you all don't really have a good track record at that. So <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah. And keep keep you going. I don't want to cut you off. Keep going. Yeah, so that's my feelings on it. It's like yeah I'm not it, it makes me just severely question because I I don't plan on taking it. Um, mm-hmm. it just because it's like mm, you. 
uh, you, there's still so many questions that need to be answered, and you're trying mm-hmm. to uh, work on people's fear mm-hmm. and essentially saying that, oh, well, this thing will make everything okay, but um, there's a, over a 99% survival rate with this uh, particular disease, but mm-hmm. they stop reporting those numbers. You only hear about mm-hmm. the deaths. Mm-hmm. And which is also another thing that's that aids into the perception of the disease because of the fact that you never hear about the people that survived anymore. You because they used mm-hmm. to the they showed the amount of cases, the amount of people that recovered, and the amount of people that died. And mm-hmm. that is just you only hear about the deaths. You don't mm-hmm. hear about any recoveries and you don't well, you hear about the you may hear about the cases, but you only hear about the deaths. You never hear about the recoveries. Mm-hmm. And it's always important to have that perspective. But um, yeah, because right now it's like there is too much into the doom and gloom section and not enough into the, hey, yo, we need to have both sides so we can have perspective on this. We still got to take the necessary precautions. But if people actually saw the recovery numbers, they'll probably be like, eh, we, you know, we, this one can be managed. We don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to take a rushed product and mm-hmm. risk our long-term health for short-term gain. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, here's my perspective. And you can call me radical. You can call me uh, what they call, what they say, anti, anti-vaxxer. They use that term. Yeah. You can call me a conspiracy theorist. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I mean, this year, but, this has been a year of conspiracy theory. The I mean, conspiracy. many of them are, are are being proven to be true. Exactly. So that that I mean, my father used to always tell me, he used to say, Ernest, it's always good to have a healthy dose of skepticism. And he used yeah. to tell me this as I was a teenager becoming an adult. And I didn't understand why. Didn't understand why he used to always tell me that. But as I got older and started seeing our leaders from my job to my church to just the um, world leaders, political leaders, things of that nature. I watched what they, I listened to what they said, then watched what they did and the two never matched. And so I understand now why he said that because anytime somebody gives you a bill of goods, he, he would say, don't let anybody bring the game to you. Don't let anybody try to convince you that you should do what they want you to do without analyzing every aspect of it, weighing the pros and the cons, what you could gain compared to what you could lose. That's what he taught us. And when I look at this, first thing I see, no one can find information about what's in the vaccine. No one. I've talked to numerous people and they cannot find what exactly is in it. All of this media coverage they put out about the vaccine not one story about what's actually inside any of them. Not one. That's a major issue. That's a major issue because when I take my child to the doctor when they're born and, you know, they're supposed to get these immunization shots or whatever, they give us the piece of paper that tells us what immunization this is and what's in this immunization. And they say, well, you can choose to take it or you can choose to be exempt. For me, and my wife, we chose to exempt our children from immunizations. I think 
uh, just our first two have, have been immunized, have a few immunizations. The other ones, we decided not to go with it because uh, a lot of those things in there, they, they simply aren't good for you. And I don't see anywhere in the scripture where we're supposed to be injecting something in our bodies to keep us safe from a sickness. I just don't see that. And um, my, my thing is here is they putting a whole lot of black people yeah, they, they online they really pushing black people as the face. They really this. want us to get this thing. They really want us to get this. It, it's and it's a head scratcher. Hey, remember, guys, a black person developed this, so that means you guys should take it. Are Come you, on now. Are you like, do you think that lowly of us to think that we would just they do go? Well, yeah, that's true. They do. They do because and what's, what what's even sadder. Absolutely. And what's even sadder is that people are saying they're going to take the vaccine just because a black woman helped develop it. Yeah. It's like we forgot that there's a house Negro and a field Negro. It's like we forgot that the, the house Negro worked with master to control you. And that that dynamic has not gone away since slavery stopped. We've always had house Negroes. Always. They on TV. They wear yeah. suits. They wear dresses. And they convince us, the people, to go along with what they want us to go along with. And we are blind to the fact that they're being controlled by the same people who enslaved us, beat us, tore us down. Yeah, and it's so interesting this push for, go, go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, they keep piping up this, uh, her name begins with a K, like kids something. And they're, they're hyping her up because they're like, oh, she helped develop the vaccine. But people started digging into her now deleted tweet at Twitter. And she said a lot of messed up stuff about black people. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot a lot of stuff, uh, messed up stuff about black Americans. Mm-hmm. And it was just real, real, real questionable stuff that was just on her Twitter. And you're just like, mm, there's some contempt there. So. Mm-hmm. Does, does she really have our best interests at heart? Sure, people will be like, of course she does. She has to follow rules and regulations. But mm, I mean, I thought, look, far be it for me, I thought that character mattered. I mean, that's right. what I we just got bombarded with for the past right. m- couple months. I, I thought that character mattered because right. that's what I've been told. So that's why I'm just questioning her character and questioning this whole situation and questioning how black people all of a sudden got flipped into being the face of this disease. Like every freaking disease, we always get flipped as the face of, even though the, even though I'm pretty sure they're not reporting the numbers, right. I'm almost confident that it's affecting other groups more than it's affecting us. It it has to be because of the population. Just, just looking at the population size. Yeah. it, it, It has to be. Yeah, because they're treating it like black people are just dropping dead left and right because of this. And I'm like, bruh, why is it just this such an incessant need to have us take it first? But you guys don't you guys don't even want us to get reparations first. You don't I mean that's that's a huge that's a huge deal for me. <laughs> that's a huge one for me. To, uh, get anything good, but all of a sudden you guys want to flip this and oh well, hey, we need to have black people taking it first. No, 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 no. We 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 could be in the back of the line for this one. We, right. we want to see how you guys do. We care about y'all. 
yeah, you know, we 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 want to see what's best for you. So it's probably best that you all take it first. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm reminded of the scripture in Psalm 91, where he said, "He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." He said that he would be my uh, fortress and my refuge. If you keep going, he said, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but the plague shall not come near you. He didn't say you had to take a vaccine for the plague to not touch you. He said you had to put your trust in him. He said you had to seek him. He said you had to obey him and he will make sure that the plague does not touch you. And so knowing that we're in this season now where I believe that COVID and all the other consequences of it is a sign of the most highest judgment, not just here in America, but worldwide. I believe this is the most highest judgment. I believe this, this is how he is calling his people and calling the nations of the world to repent of their wickedness. And if that is the case, no vaccine will save you. No vaccine will help you. The United States is adding about 250,000 cases a day. And they have already said that the vaccine cannot cure you if you catch it, but it's designed to prevent you from catching it. That means if, what is it, 99% survive, 1% of 250,000, that's what? That's 2,500. That means 2,500 people just from the, of the people who got it yesterday, the 250,000, 2,500 of them are expected to die because 1% of the population is dying of those who catch it. And so if that's the case, that means that of these people who are dying, the vaccine is, is not going to be of any use to them. It's not going to be of any help to them. And the, the push is we have to get back to normal. I think that they know that there's no way that we're going back to normal. Yeah. And they're you know, pushing the vaccine out real fast so that they can, yeah, to, 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 to get people afraid, like what you said. I'm scared that, that, it's that, that things going to stay how they are. And so we'll just accept what they're trying to give us. It's, all I keep hearing is Jeremiah 17. Cursed is the one who hopes in flesh whose heart turns away from the most high. He shall be like a chaff that the wind blows around and his leaves shall never be green. When I think about taking this vaccine, to me, that's you putting your trust in man because man developed this vaccine. They did not consult the most high when they developed this vaccine. I mean, think of, think of it like this. Like you essentially have had a slew of people who have been going to church every Sunday and hoping and hoping and hoping and hoping and praying that this will just go away. They was probably praying that. They've been praying that since February, since March. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the most high, you know, this is, uh, God, just go ahead and take this away and take this away and everything will be back to normal. And things progressively got worse. Mm -hmm. and then they continue, oh, you know, just praying and praying and praying and praying and things got worse. There was no change in things. Things got progressively worse. So now, essentially, they're, they're going to convince themselves that not that 
the stuff that they've been doing, there may be a flaw in it because if your prayers have not been answered in nine months, that probably means that you should probably go back to the text and see what's going on. But nope. <laughs> it's instead they're like, oh well, this is the solution that he's providing us. It's this thing. And it's like, but you 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 didn't even listen to like when that they first announced it back in March and April, all the questionable stuff that they were planning on doing with that. Mm-hmm. You just completely missed that portion. Mm-hmm. Talk about that since March and essentially conditioning people into once you take this everything will be all good not even realizing that we haven't even experienced a fallout for this year Mm -hmm. uh, from a financial and economical standpoint like there's going to be huge ramifications leading people are thinking they're probably going into the new year saying f2020 is like yo like there is going to be some major consequences that we're going to have to deal with next year I think and, that everybody's going to know by the middle of the year next year that we're in a depression. I think everybody's yeah, going to know that. Exactly. It may even be worse than that at that point. Mm-hmm. I, I think they, they know that. And that's why the push is to have everybody vaccinated by late spring, early summer, around the middle of the year, because they expect to cause so much pain economically, you know, with, people getting on the verge of of being kicked out. You know, the moratorium doesn't wipe away your mortgage and rent payments. It just pauses them. So you still have to pay all that back rent. If if your mortgage is $1,000 and you haven't paid it in six months, you owe $6,000 when the moratorium ends. Where are you going to get that money from? Where are you going to get that money from? They will will put put you out of the house. And so I think that they know this, and that's why their timeline is between spring and summer. Because by then, we're going to have so many economic problems. It'll be easy for them to say, well, I mean, if y'all just take the vaccine, we can get back to normal and all this suffering will end. You know, it'll be real easy for them to play that. So I don't want to spend too much time here. We're about 18 minutes in. But but from both of us, it sounds like we cool on the vaccine. Yeah, We cool cool on it. But watch what they do, though. Yeah. Definitely this is what I think they're going to do. They're they going to have uh, your black preachers tell you it's okay to take the vaccine. Watch. Mm-hmm. Watch. They sure will. <laughs> they definitely will. They'll either have them play a video from a, um, a doctor or something or they will simply advocate it from their pulpit. Watch. That's last thing we're going to say about that. <laughs> Alright. So, is. Christmas. Yo. Christmas. It's a wonderful, Christmas. wonderful holiday, bruh. Christmas. Been, oh, man, I've been so excited to talk about this. Foaming at the mouth, ready to talk about Christmas. It, it is. So, let, Ooh, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. When did you realize that something was wrong with Christmas? Um... It wasn't a matter of like feeling like the the holiday was all wrong, because mm-hmm. I've like uh, over time I figured that like uh, I was I learned that it had pagan origins, but I didn't think too much of it. But like mm-hmm. over time, within like the last few years, I started falling out of favor, I guess, with Christmas. Like where I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I don't like this. I don't like this anymore. It's so mm-hmm. it's like first like um it wasn't even about the birthday thing it was just about what the day represented and mm-hmm. it turned into 
where it's literally just a um a festival of people wanting stuff mm-hmm. and it, it was just like bro we could literally do this any other day like we we can just say hey yo i'm going to be giving we're going to be doing a gift giving thing on april 2nd and mm-hmm. will be changed but there's just this incessant need to uh, celebrate this consumerist holiday mm-hmm. and then once i actually got into the truth and actually learned what christmas was like ever since then i'm like bro i really don't want to celebrate this yep. and of course you know me being the the outlier in this is like having to deal with the rest of it with my family and all mm-hmm. of us so it's like bro, it's been pulling teeth yeah but people like um people are starting to know my more and more about my feelings towards this and any other holiday where I'm like, no, nah, I'm cool. I don't want to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Well, for myself, it was understanding that the most High did not tell us to keep these other holidays and that we were supposed to still be keeping his feast. And when I came under the understanding that you know, we, we are still under the curses of Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 because we doing, uh, we're celebrating these other things instead of celebrating what he wanted, to cel- wanted us to celebrate. That uh, made me stop wanting to celebrate all the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, New Year's, Fourth uh, of July, like all of them. At this time, I did not know that there was so much pagan worship and idol worship connected to Christmas. I had no idea. It was upon doing my research that I saw all of the paganism and all of the idol worship connected to Christmas. And that's when, you know, I had to uh, call out to the most high and repent and ask him to forgive me because I did not know that I was worshiping idols in doing um, many of the practices that's done in Christmas. And so that's that's what happened with me and it's it's real it's difficult to deal with it with family because family expects you to come over they expect you to eat they expect you to share gifts maybe they have christmas parties and all of that type of stuff and when you say i don't want to do this because this isn't what the most high wants me to do it hurts in two ways the first way it hurts is that it's like you don't want to be a part of the family. The second right. way it hurts is that it shows, well, if you saying you're not doing this because God told you not to do it, then you saying I'm doing this because it's like the devil wants me to do it. Yeah, and you know, like, it, it incriminates them. Right. It and treats so, it like it's a character flaw and right. you're attacking the character and it's like, no, it's not. It's not it. personal. It's, 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 it's not personal. You grow. <laughs> you grow. Right. You, grow. You, you do what you want to do. You've grown. For me, I can't do this with a clear conscience. And that was a conversation that I had to have with my wife, my mother, uh, my mother-in-law. I didn't have a conversation with her, my, my wife. Too. That's a whole other story. But anyway, um, when I initially had that conversation, it was difficult. And they didn't, you know, they didn't want to go along with me. And I told them, I said, I'm not making anybody do what I'm doing. I said, this is what I'm doing. But as I started doing it, more as I started just not participating in these things more. And as I started having conversations with them about what was taking place, they started to see the same thing I saw. 
they started to see the idol worship. They started to see the paganism. And I showed them the scriptures where he was talking about the same things that they were doing when, when it came to the Christmas celebrations. And they was like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm seeing what you're seeing now. And so um, thankfully, you know, some of my family has come to the same understanding that I have when it comes to Christmas. But there's still a long way to go as far as understanding how deeply woven this idol worship is uh, into our society. And so we're going to get started with the origin of Christmas and the idol worship that's connected to it. So it's what you want to deal with first. You want to deal with the birthday. You want to deal with the tree. What you want to deal with? Oh, it's going to be a myriad of stuff. I'm just going to okay. go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, um, Christmas has been looked at as this uh, chief holiday where we celebrate the birth of Christ and give out gifts and celebrating the birth of Christ. The gifts are supposed to represent all oh, the three wise men gave them gifts, the tree. Oh, there was a tree somewhere in the barn or nearby the barn where Jesus was born. The uh, Christmas goose. Oh, I'm, uh, his favorite food was goose. <laughs> the, the lump of coal and the Santa Claus. Oh, he was there too. The, one of the three. That, that was like a fourth and a half wise man. He 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 was off in the cut though. He showed up late. And uh, the lights. All oh, the lights are representative of the North Star. Or the star that led to the. It's a it's a stretch. It's a lot of region. It's a whole lot of region because. The, the festival of Christmas is not quote-unquote Christian at all. At all. At its very root is pagan. At its very, very root is Babylonian in nature. So, like, well, of course, the issues that you hear time and time again, of course, the shepherds being out during that time, they wouldn't have been out during that time at night in the middle of winter tending their flock. It's way too cold. And no shepherd in their right mind would be uh, tending their flock in the middle of the night, in the middle of winter. That, that so we're talking is. about December 25th as far yeah. as being, that being his birthday, okay? Exactly. That, okay. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work. It, doesn't, it wouldn't work that way. And then, of course, you have the other edict that was given during that time to have every woman and child to be taxed, um, to go into the city and to be taxed. They wouldn't do something like that in the winter either because mm -hmm. it would be real, 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 real um, uncomfortable for women to be traveling during that time, during that type of cold at, and at night with their children or with their child. They would normally do those things in the warmer months to make it more convenient for people who, are fur, who live far away from their respective cities to travel mm -hmm. to so that's another thing where you got to be like eh, no that that ain't it now the interesting thing about christmas is no such festival as christmas was ever heard of until the third century and wasn't observed until the fourth century this is actually have nothing like i said before thing to do with christ it was a it was a celebration to celebrate the birth of the sun that part got right, but who was the son? 
It was the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven, Ishtar. So in order to compromise with people who practiced this at the time uh, and to assimilate them into Christianity, they essentially just told them, Ayo, they told the heathen at the time, the pagans at that time, look, we want you guys to be Christian, but we don't want you to give up your holiday. So look, um, you can keep all the same customs and same things that you do. We're just going to rebrand and then say that it's for this person. And they were like, cool. All right. As long as you don't have to give this up. So it is pagan at the root. The only thing is they just tape somebody else's name on it. But the thing is, it's like it has, no, it has nothing to do with Christ. Can I, can I say something real quick about that? So yeah, when you talk about um, the pagan god Ishtar, Ishtar was Babylonian, correct? Correct. Okay, so his birthday was, was associated with December 25th. I don't think it's an accident that there are so many other gods, pagan gods, whose birthdays are also considered or associated with December 25th. And I'm going to read a list. What I'm reading is from blissfulmoon.com. Uh, it's actually a pagan website. They do witchcraft and other things of that nature. But here's a list of all of the gods that they said they're either uh, birthdays on December 25th or worship of them is associated with December 25th. Apollo, Addis, Bacchus, Dionysus, the son of Zeus, Helios, Hercules, Horus, the Egyptian god, Jupiter, the Greek god, Mithras, the Persian god, Nimrod, the original Babylonian god, Perseus, Sol Invictus, or the unconquered sun, and Tammuz. So that's the list of all the gods who were quote-unquote born on December 25th, and I don't think it's an accident that they also say that Jesus was born on December 25th. I just wanted to point that out real quick. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Because um, that's the next portion that I was going to get into, where um, the feast is not that it's the feast of quote unquote Christmas. It's a feast of Saturnalia. It's actually mm -hmm. a feast that lasted five days where people would get drunk and party and just give out gifts to one another and have wild orgies. And wow, okay. The, the slaves would also have a temporary emancipation to join in the celebration. And interestingly enough, um, when the slaves joined in, the people that they were indebted to would actually, it would, they would play like a role reversal where the slave was the master of the house and the uh, master of the house would be serving the slave. It was interesting. It was, it was, it was wilding out back then. Okay, let me ask you this. When, uh, when was Saturnalia worshipped uh, or celebrated as far as what time period did the celebration of that begin? Was it before um, Christ or was it after? Oh, it was before. This was actually before. Uh, okay. Like uh, the drunken festival of the month is called Thebeth, which is December. Is the festival of Bacchus that was originally what it was called it was celebrated okay. in Babylon. So okay. So this is way before. Way okay. Before the idea of Christmas ever came to be, these okay. festivals were these festivals were practiced long before that. So. Okay. Just to just to give people even a um a early uh, there was an early Christian author named uh, Tertullian. He says something very interesting about um, the adoption of Christmas and many other things, where he lamented the inconsistencies of the disciples of Christ. So here's here's what he said. Here's but don't take it from me. Don't, let's let's take it from a dude that was that lived during the, that time. 
his quote was, uh, by us who are strangers to Sabbaths and the new moons and festivals, once acceptable to God, the Saturnalia, the Feast of January, the Brumalia, and the Metron Metronalia are now frequented. Gifts are carried to and fro. New mm. Year's Day presents are made with din and sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. Oh, mm. this, this one's the kicker. Oh, how much more faithful are the heathen to their religion who take mm. special care to adopt no solemnity, the solemnity from the Christians. Mm. In layman's terms, we, like, in terms of people back then, Christians, you could point to now, you could point to back then, have done away with everything that they were taught to do. The mm -hmm. Sabbath, the new moons, all of the uh, ordinances and stuff that we that are in the Bible, that wasn't mm -hmm. out of the Bible, we don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. We have taken on what the pagans do and claim that as our own and saying that that is righteous. And, and this is a point that I brought up in the past. Pay, the fact that Christianity is the only religion that doesn't pay attention to any of the things in their text. We adopt other pagans, other religions, um, ideas, their holy days and all of that stuff and deem it as our own. Like, mm -hmm. and see other religions well, if they're Muslim, they adhere to their holidays and stuff. But you don't see them dabbling into other people's stuff. They're like, no, mm -hmm. we got our own stuff. Same mm -hmm. with um, Hindus, same with Buddhists, same. Like they have their own things. And as Bible readers in the Bible, you have your own things. Right. But you liken that to somebody else, all that, that's that other group. We're, we're supposed to be doing these things. Right. Now you're supposed to be listening, reading your book, reading your text. And the fact that he said that how much more faithful are the heathen, heathens to their religions, they take special care to not do anything that you guys are supposed to do. They do the things that they know that they're supposed to be doing, which is the Feast of Saturnalia, that, which is all of their other pagan worships. But you guys, instead of seeking after the Most High, you're thinking that you are. But... You, due to you not reading the text to actually see what you're supposed to be doing, you're actually seeking after other gods. Mm -hmm. Yes, I want to read a scripture to back up what you're saying. Uh, I'm in Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 14, verse 4. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 4. Uh, this is where Solomon is uh, about to build the temple for the Most High. So he says, Behold, I am building a temple for the name of Yah, my Elohim, to dedicate it to him to burn before him sweet incense for the continual showbread that was offering for the burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths, on the new moons and on the set feast of Yahuwah, who is our Elohim. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. Dang, so man, forever we're supposed to be doing these certain feasts, not these other ones. I mean, yes. type the word Christmas in your Bible search. You won't find the word in there. Type, type the word Easter. You won't find it. You won't find it. You won't find any of these. And so he said that these feasts I have set as an ordinance forever. It's interesting forever. because 
I was I was talking to a friend of mine this week and we was talking about um Zechariah 14. And I read the part in Zechariah 14 where it shows that the most high comes back, executes vengeance on his on his enemies, and how from year after year the kings of the earth come before him and celebrate the feast of tabernacles. And I said, Well, doesn't that mean that when he returns and he has established his kingdom here, we're still we're still keeping his feast? And he yeah. was like, yeah, it, it does. I said, so we're not celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving and this other stuff. He was like, man, according to the word, no. And I, I think it's starting to open his eyes a little bit more because we, we've been told that the feasts of the Most High are done away with. We don't have to keep them. We keep Christmas now. We keep Easter or Resurrection Sunday now. We keep Thanksgiving now. When nowhere in the scripture did he sanction these feast days to keep and it's i want to get back to what you were saying i want you to get into uh tammuz and the connection of well matter of fact not just the connection but who tammuz was how he is celebrated in christmas because there's some scripture in the word about those who worship tammuz so i want you to talk a little bit about who tammuz was and how he's connected to christmas as well yeah, so um, Tammuz is a he is interesting because um, he's essentially another Babylonian god that was birthed like like what we spoke about earlier from uh, Ishtar and Nimrod. So essentially, he um, I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, you have you heard of the uh, of the Yule log? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. I so the Yule log is essentially something that essentially you just throw in your fireplace. But the Yule log, according to Babylon, Babylonian worship, is the dead stock of Nimrod, the sun god that was cut down by his enemies. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Repeat that. Repeat it again. It's the dead stock of Nimrod, the sun god that was cut down by his enemies. That's what the Yule log represents. And the Yule log burning is essentially representing him essentially ascending. The Christmas tree is representative of Nimrod being reborn as a person who conquered over his enemies that slew him. And due to him essentially being rebirthed as Tammuz, he get, leaves gifts under the tree to for the little boys and girls that decided to believe that he had resurrected wait 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 so so you saying the whole idea of cutting a tree down decorating it putting it in your house and then putting gifts under it that was done as an offering to Tammuz um yeah wow just wait until we get into um to Easter that's that's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, East is a whole nother level. Because um a lot of the symbolism that we use, we're not gonna get into this portion, but a lot of the symbolism mm -hmm. that we use is not towards who we think it is, it's towards Tammuz. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the stuff that we do is not honoring the most high, it's honoring Tammuz. He was hailed as the son of the sun. Mm -hmm. And it was he essentially became a, a symbol of sun worship 
So okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me slow that down. Let's slow that down real quick. So he was hailed as the son of the sun. So the original son was Nimrod, right? Correct. So Nimrod was worshipped as the sun god in Babylon, and his son was Tammuz, and so he was the son of the sun. Is that is yes. that what you? Okay. Correct. Wow. Okay. Yep. But let me let me you know since we're going into traditions. Let me talk about some of the traditions that we that we probably don't even think of. Um, Christmas lights. Let's start with that. Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, people were probably like, "Oh, you know, how's how's Christmas lights pagan?" Well, back in during the Feast of Saturnalia, candles were lit on Christmas Eve and used so long as the festive season lasted. Pagans did the exact same thing on the eve of the festival of Bata- Babylonian God to honor him. Essentially, the light was, um, I think, where did, here we go. It was one of the distinguishing uh, traits, distinguishing practices of his worship. They also hung wow. around in other greenery, and they spent the festival, like I said, giving other people gifts. Um, you can re- essentially replace candles with christmas lights wow you see people as soon as the as soon as uh thanksgiving's dead that's when the festive season starts and mm-hmm. they take the christmas lights down once essentially the festive season ends and mm-hmm. they don't even realize that they used to do that back then too along with mm-hmm. christmas wreaths and things of that nature oh you know what the Christmas goose. Uh, you know what? I know that people love. Um, it's a what is it? What is what is that uh, freaking shit, uh, thing? Is a Wonderful Life or something? Or thing with Scrooge? That the, the movie, the Christmas yeah. movie. Okay, yeah, one with Scrooge. I, I forgot the name of that thing. A Christmas Story. I think it's that. Um, okay, that also has pagan origins. The Christmas goose. It's in reference to Egypt, to Osiris okay. actually. Um, his okay. offering was a goose, and it could not be eaten except in the death of winter. Wow! It would, it would okay. pass. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he will only be pacified by a large goose and a thin cake. That was wow. Uh, that he could be pacified with. So, boom! Another pagan thing. Oh man, you know what? Let me let me go to the most important one of the most important ones. Let's get on. Let's get on. Santa Claus. Let's get on him. And mm. so with Santa Claus, what's interesting about this thing, I, I mean, a whole bunch of this stuff is interesting. I keep using this word, but this one's really interesting. Um, Santa Claus um, actually had a crime partner. He had a partner in crime. His name was Krampus. Krampus the Yule Lord. Um you know how we typically hear the stories about, oh, you know, Santa knows when you're naughty or nice, and if you're nice, he'll give you gifts, and if you're uh, naughty, he'll give you a lump of coal. The lump of coal idea came from Krampus. Krampus was known as the Yule Lord. He was essentially a demon that followed uh, Santa Claus around to punish bad children. He would give them a lump of coal, or punishments would include hitting bad children with a switch or a whip. Um, so he would he'd be beating these kids with a switch or a whip. Or he would kidnap and cart the bad children off to either drown them, 
eat them or transport them to hell or to just take them away. Hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's just another thing. And, you know, they continue this type of thing in different countries. So in Austria, their children still got to celebrate the arrival of Santa Claus, but they also had to brace themselves for Krampus. We weren't taught about Krampus. We they kind of mm. let that part. In the Czech Republic, um, they said that Santa Claus or Svati Mikulas, no, yeah, Mikulas, who said to climb down the earth from the heavens using a golden rope, and he's usually accompanied by an angel and the devil. Whoa, another de- a counterpart too for that man. We we still, I mean, we only got reindeer. So, in France, similar to Krampus, keeping a behaving all year, he was. Essentially, this uh, Le Pereur Fautard translated into the Whipping Father. So essentially, similar to Krampus in France, they had this dude called the Whipping Father that accompanied St. Nick um, whenever he went around doing his bidding. Well, but there's a common theme here that essentially there's like this thing is nothing to do with Christ. This, hell, this uh, Santa Claus there's a lot more stuff to do with the fact that there's there's some wickedness that goes along with this type of holiday. You, you know what I heard about? Okay, go go ahead. Go ahead. I want you to finish. You go. Um, what what I heard about Santa Claus, and I don't have the source for this, but I, I read it somewhere that Nimrod, he actually used to dress up and give gifts to people. Yeah, and that's that's where the origin of Santa Claus comes from. Yeah, um, it was a Corpus Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was the worship of Nimrod. Then it changed mm-hmm. into the Feast of Saturnalia or the Feast of Dionysus. Then it changed into the Feast of Focus, and by the Romans, then it changed into Christ Mass, and then it changed into Christmas, as we all mm-hmm. know and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and um. Oh, I forgot to mention the mistletoe. That's a Druid superstition that was derived from Babylon. Um, mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a representation of the Messiah, the divine branch that came down from heaven and grew upon a tree that sprung out of the earth. The engrafting of the celestial branch on the earthly tree, essentially representing that, that sin is severed, meant that the mistletoe joined together again, like the branch, the celestial branch on the earthly tree, that was severed by sin has been joined together again as a token of divine reconciliation to man and the kiss being representative of the pardon. And yeah, that's, um, and it also has other traditions as well, but it's mainly Babylonian in nature. Mm-hmm. So every single piece of this holiday is Babylonian worship. It's, it's connected um, to wickedness is connected to wickedness and idolatry there's there's no um hey yo what about a no there's no no nothing it is babylonian in nature it is babylonian through and through that would that would just throw on a sticker of christianity to make you think that you were doing something righteous when in reality Mm -hmm. you were doing something that was abhorrently wicked like abhorrently Mm -hmm. wicked oh man dang you know what? Uh, lest I forgot the Christmas tree. So the Christmas tree, 
um people like when you look it up online it's interesting they they were like oh yeah that was a recent practice no it wasn't there's um it was equally common in pagan rome and pagan egypt egypt used the palm tree and roman and rome used the fir tree um the palm tree denoted the pagan messiah baal tamar and the fir denoted the pagan deity uh, baal berith or the lord of the covenant Whereas Baal Tamar, Tamar is the Lord of the Palm. Hmm. So when it when it comes to all of these different practices that's done in Christmas, we can clearly see that their origin is connected to some form of idol worship. Now what I want to do is I want to show you some specific scriptures that deal with some of these practices and some of these gods that we worship, because it's clear that the most high is not pleased when his people worship these other gods. So the first scripture I want to go to is Ezekiel eight and around verse uh, we're going to do verses 13 through 15. He said to me, this is Ezekiel saying what the Most High said to him. So the Most High told Ezekiel, turn again and you will see greater abominations than these. So he's in the temple and he's showing him all the abominations that's being done in the temple. And so one of the abominations is as follows. Verse 14. He brought me to the door of the north gate of Yah's house. And to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Now. Tammuz is the same tree that sprouted up that people cut down, decorated, brought in their house, put presents under as a form of idol worship back then. Is that correct? That's what we went over earlier, right? Yeah, that's pretty much correct. Okay, here's another connection to Tammuz that people don't know about. You know the 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 uh, the practice of Lent. That's where the weeping for Tammuz comes from. Yeah. That what the practice of 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 um as as far as being sorrowful for Lent, denying yourself something that came from the worship or the weeping of Tammuz. Yep. So he's worshipped in Christmas, and he's worshipped for Lent around Easter time. Something that many Christians do. Again, yep. we we just want to keep pointing out the fact that all of these things that's done in church are not commanded on the Most High. Okay, and then he said, verse 15, I uh, have you seen this, O son of man? I will show you even greater abominations. So he's saying that this practice of weeping and worshiping Tammuz, the practice of Lent, the practice of uh, this pagan, this paganism towards Tammuz, he calls it an abomination. He calls it an abomination. We like to say, you know, well, homosexuality is an abomination. He said, practicing Christmas. And worshiping these idols is an abomination. And I want to read um, something else that's connected to, to Tammuz. This is from the book. Hold on. My, my Actually, um, even if you read uh, verse 16 um, um, in uh, Ezekiel, he then brought me into the inner court of the house of Yahuwah. And at the entrance to the temple between the portico and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of Yahuwah. And 
and their faces towards the east. They were bowing to the sun in the east. Mm. So they mm. were Tammuz doing, is the sun. Wow. They were, they were worshiping the sun in mm. his temple. Hey, man, they got some nerve. <laughs> they, yeah. they got some nerve. Hey, yo, I'm going to go into in, the house. In his temple. In his own, in his temple. They, they're, they turned their backs to the altar to honor the Most High, to honor the sun. So, uh, again, you, you see all the, the worship of the sun, the sun worship. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read a, a, a part from the shocking page, uh, pagan origin of Christmas. This is an excerpt. So December 25th was referred to in documents as Christmas Day in AD 324. That was during the time of Constantine when he brought all the kingdoms together and brought the paganism in with Christianity. Under the Roman Emperor uh, Justinian, during A.D. 527 through 565, he came after Constantine. It was recognized as an official holiday. An old Roman festival played a major part in the choice of this particular holiday, meaning the date of December 25th. Now, we haven't talked about who this uh, woman was. Semiramis. She was Nimrod's wife, who was also Tammuz's mother. Is that correct, Is? Yep. Yeah. The, the, the same woman who told the people that her son came up as a tree, bring him gifts as a sacrifice. She told the worshipers that when Tammuz was killed, some of his blood fell on a stump and it made an evergreen tree that was <laughs> sacred by the blood of Tammuz. That's found in the pagan origins of Easter. So again, you can see how Tammuz was a god that was worshipped in many ways. And the Israelites adopted that form of worship. Remember, when the Israelites, where were the Israelites when they were in captivity? They were in Babylon. They were in Babylon practicing the ways of Babylon. Where are we now in America? Mystery Babylon. We are in the system of Mystery Babylon practicing all these pagan things. That's why he said, Come out of her, my people. Do not participate in her sins so that you don't participate in her plagues. And so he's given us instructions not to follow the ways of the heathen. Okay, so let's show you another scripture in Jeremiah. And this is the one that many people know about when it comes to the Christmas tree. It's Jeremiah chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 1. Because we got to show you where this stuff is in the word. So, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. Hear the word which Yah speaks to you, O Israel. Thus says Yah, do not learn the ways of the Gentiles. What are Gentiles? They are the other nations. The nations is not within Israel. Nor be dismayed at the signs in heaven. For the Gentiles are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are futile, meaning worthless. For one cuts down a tree in the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen, with an axe. He decorates it with silver and gold, fastens it with nails and hammers, so that it will not topple. They are upright like a palm tree. They cannot speak, but must be carried, because they cannot go by themselves. Now that sounds like a Christmas tree, does it not? Yeah. That sounds like a Christmas tree. Now listen to what he said about them. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. Now, that would imply 
that when this practice was done, it was done because the people did this to, for an idol. The Babylonians around them, when they cut the tree down and brought it in, it was seen as the idol. What idol? Tammuz. The sun god. Because, remember, Semiramis told them, well, you know, my son reincarnated as this tree. He came back to life. And so they worshipped it as a god. And he is telling his people, don't learn their way. Remember what he said in Psalm 1, oh, shoot, what was it? Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who keep the laws of Elohim. He said, don't follow the way of the heathen. Don't follow the customs of the heathen. Follow the way of the most high. Keep his feasts. Keep his Sabbaths. Keep his holy days. And so we see here clearly where the most high condemns the practice of cutting down trees, decorating and bringing into the house because it's connected to idol worship. It is clearly connected to idol worship. And so we had about 56 minutes. We're not going to go too much longer. But what I wanted to do was this last little piece right here. Because you talked about the Yule. So next week, next week we're going to get into uh, Frigga. And Frigga was a, a goddess who was worshipped um, in Europe. But she has some interesting um, connections to Christmas as well. Is you, you mentioned the wreath earlier. Yep. That, that came from Frigga. And we're going to talk next week. Yeah, we're going to talk next week about what the wreath means and what Frigga actually did with the wreath. Because there's a reason why it's a circle. There's a reason why it's a circle. But here's one of the, the, uh, the scriptures that he spoke in Jeremiah um, about his people worshiping these other gods and, and why he has a problem with that. So Jeremiah chapter 7. Verse, uh, verses 16 through 20. Therefore, do not pray for this people. So this is the Most High talking to Jeremiah about his children, the children of Israel. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood. The father kindles the fire. What does that sound like? They gathering wood, kindling the fire. That sounds like it has some Christmas connections to it. The women knead dough and make cakes for the queen of heaven. Now, it's very interesting. So the queen of heaven is, is a god that's worshipped in many nations. One yeah. of the nations where the queen of heaven is worshipped in is India. In India, the name of the queen of heaven is... Saras, uh, oh, good night. Saraswati, S A R A S W A T I. When guess when she's honored and worshipped during the Yule Tide. She's worshipped during the Yule Tide in the winter around Christmas time. Yeah, and, and so they make cakes for the Queen of Heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says Yah? Do they not provoke themselves to shame and to shame the shame on their own faces? He says, 
Thus says Yah, my anger and my fury will be poured out on this place, on man, on beasts, on trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will be burned and not quenched. So he's saying my people are worshiping other gods, doing what other gods want them to do. So don't pray for them because I'm not going to listen to you. I keep saying this. We, we're praying for judgment to stop, but it won't stop because we have not repented. We're still worshiping these gods. We're still serving these false idea, ideals, ideologies, and pagan practices. And while doing these pagan practices, we're asking the Most High to deliver us from COVID. He's not going to listen. He said, I won't hurt. You can't just pray and say, Most High, help us, deliver us. I could have swore he said in 2 Corinthians. Not Corinthians, Second Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Seek my face don't mean pray. Seek my face means keep his commandments. He said, my face will be on you while you're keeping my commandments. If you turn from my commandments, I will turn my face against you. That's what he said. And turn from their wicked ways. You can't pray and not turn from your wicked ways and think he gonna hurt you. It don't work like that. We know that this is a heavy lesson. This is a heavy podcast. Because this is what we've done our whole lives. This is what we know to do. But now the Most High is pulling the cover off. Showing the wickedness that is in these practices. He said everything that's done in secret shall be shouted from the rooftop. Christmas is full of occult practices. Occult means hidden. It means you're doing things that you think is cool, but they're really for idol gods. They're really for to worship other gods. And he's telling you, do not, do not pray for them. Because if you pray for them, I will not hear because they still serve these other gods. Y'all, this is why we point this stuff out. Because we want the most high to hear our prayers. We want the most high to hear us when we're praying for our loved ones that's getting sick from COVID and that they be healed. We want him to hear that, but he won't hear it if we're still serving these other gods. We have to repent, y'all. We have to stop doing these things that are not from him. We have to start keeping his feasts. We have to start keeping his commandments. We have to start following his word. We've shown you there is no connection with the scripture to Christmas. At all. They say, none whatsoever. They say, well, bringing the gifts to Jesus is like, you know, that's what the gifts is about. No, it's not. We show you where the gifts comes from. The gifts were brought as idols. And what did he say? He said, they provoke me by bringing offerings to other gods. This is why we are so adamant about this, because y'all, he will not deliver us until we turn back to him. That's what he said in Deuteronomy 30. He said, when you return to me, then I will return to you and gather you from the four corners of the earth where I scattered you. And I will make you my people. He said he won't rescue us. He will not deliver us. He will not save us until we repent. And so we about three minutes over. We're going to end it there. Next week, 
We're going to talk a little bit more about Nimrod. We're also going to talk about Frigga and other gods that's associated with Christmas. Because even though we've given you a ton of information today for you to research, there's so much more information out here about all of the different forms of idol worship connected to Christmas. It's not an accident that America makes Christmas the most important time of the year. That's not an accident. Right. It's not. It's so that you can worship these other gods because in doing that worship to these other gods, you enslave yourself, Negro man, Negro woman, the true seed of Israel. Because the Most High said when they go after these other gods, it will be to them a snare and a hissing. He said, worship of their gods will bring them into bondage because it will separate them from me. We're trying to get back to the Most High. We're trying to get delivered out of this captivity. We're trying to be set free. We cannot be set free and practice Christmas. We cannot be set free and still practice these other uh, pagan forms of worship. There's one more scripture I want to read before we close. Revelation chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. I encourage you to read all of Revelation chapter 9 because it talks about the plagues. But this is what verse 20 says. But the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, they did not repent of their works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, that they should not worship idols of gold and silver, brass and stone and wood, which cannot neither see nor hear nor walk. He's showing you the plagues have come because we worship in idols. He said, and they also did not repent of their murders or their sorceries or the sexual, sexual immorality or their thefts. So he's showing you right here. The plagues have come and they started. And his desire is that these plagues will get you to repent of worshiping these idols, the works of your hands, putting the stars on top of the tree putting the, the candy and the decorations on top of the tree, putting the lights around your house. This is all a form of idol worship, y'all. He's saying they still didn't repent. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you. Repent. Turn to the Most High. Seek his word. Seek his face. Keep his commandments. Keep his feasts. Don't follow the ways of the heathen because they being judged right now. The Gentile nations, the heathens, they being judged right now. COVID is a judgment. And he said, don't participate in their sins so that you don't participate in their plagues. The plagues are here, y'all. Is you got something to say before we close? Um, I know that this is probably just a jaded lesson where you're just like, no, that's not. That look, bro, don't take, like we say every podcast, don't take our word for it. Research right. yourself. And then right. you can just come back to us and Send an apology letter to our P.O. box. We don't have a <laughs> but I guess you could draft one up. So it's important to really, really know what it is that you're getting yourself into, what covenants that you don't even know that you're getting yourself into, what yeah. practices, what pe that forms of worship that you're getting yourself into, and thinking that you're worshiping one thing when it's actually something else entirely. Like mm -hmm. the fact that this is a charade, essentially going on for more than a millennia well almost a millennia, more than a millennia mm -hmm. and then the practice of 
you know, Christmas for centuries of saying, of formally saying, oh, well, uh, this is about Christ when it has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Even like they don't even make it an effort to try to hide a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. where they like you can research and look at, at the fact that um, was it Const- Emperor Constantine was the one that was like, all right, so we're just going to merge these yep. two things together yep. where we're going to keep your practices, but just rebrand it. Mm-hmm. So like if you're doing the same practices, the same feasts, the same festivals, the same celebrations, the same decorations, the same everything. And you're being told that it's to this other deity when this festival, all of its customs and practices are still intact and was allocated to this other deity. Is it really a celebration of the deity that they tell you that is celebrating? Or is it to the one that essentially it was established for? Mm. That's why these things, whenever he says that these things are uh, something to do forever, mm. it's like that it, it doesn't change. No. As much like as you saw, um, what as you heard and I saw, as you heard from the um, Tertullian, pagans don't make it, don't want anything to do with Christianity. They don't adopt any of our customs. Look at every religion. They don't adopt any other custom. They don't, they only adhere to what they do. Mm-hmm. You don't hear Muslims saying, hey, yo, let's go ahead and uh, go out and uh, celebrate Easter. No, they don't do that. Oh, you know, what about the Hindus? Oh, you know, let's go ahead and celebrate Christmas. No, they don't do that. <laughs> they, they stick to the holidays that are in their religion that their deity said that they should be doing for themselves. We are the only ones that be seeking out after other people's stuff, not adhering to what was told to us in the sacred text that we're supposed to be reading. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be doing a feast of dedication, a feast of tabernacles, or Passover, and this and that. We keep telling ourselves that, oh, no, we, we, we not supposed to be doing that. That's Jewish people that's supposed to be doing that. We don't do that. All right, all right, cool. Um, in this text, does it tell you that you're supposed to be doing something else? Well, he knows my heart. Okay. All right. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like, and it's just a lot of cop-out answers. A lot of cop-out answers to avoid the responsibility of knowing that you, some of us haven't been doing, have knowingly not been doing what we're supposed to be doing when it comes to this text. And now we're seeing it being acted out year after year after year with these different celebrations, knowing dang well you know that has nothing to do with anything in that book, anything in that book. You don't even mention the holiday name. Mm-hmm. Don't even mention the customs unless it's talking about how you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. That was the only time that some of these customs are even mentioned is when you're not, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. But we do it anyway, out of tradition, out of nostalgia, out of, out of expectation when we should really just be doing away with all of that. You know in your heart that you're not supposed to be doing this. You know in your heart that there's something wrong with this. You know that in your heart there's something wrong with Easter. You know in your heart that there's something wrong with a lot of the days that we celebrate, but you choose not to do it because you're afraid of uh, what people might say or what people might do. Oh, you don't celebrate Easter? What are you, Jewish? What are you, this? What are you, that? You're afraid of being labeled as something that you're not when you should just not do the practice at all because you're going to be labeled by the most high right. as something you practice. <laughs> so it, it, you just gotta you know look into it see for yourself and um, 
ask those questions to your to your pastors, to your preachers, to your ministers. Why do we continue to celebrate this unholy of days mm-hmm. and treating it as it's holy, mm-hmm. this unholy of times of years? And we keep saying that it's holy. Mm-hmm. We see that this, this time of year is tied to so many other gods. Mm-hmm. We just want to try and shoehorn Jesus into it, which is ironic because the whole purpose of the Bible is to be set apart. Yes. That's why he has his own set apart days. Yep. Not once do you see the most high saying, Hey, yo, um, I want, I want us to celebrate my feast day on the same day that you celebrate Mithros. Right. No, he's like, they got their own thing going over there. This is my stuff. Mm-hmm. You adhere to my stuff. This stuff is here forever. You don't do their stuff, but we're, we, much like the Israelites back then, sought after the other stuff because they look like fun. They over there giving out gifts, having orgies. Nothing, <laughs> nothing new under the sun, man. Nothing new nothing under the new sun. Nothing new under the sun. We're doing the same thing that our forefathers did. Went after idols. Yes. So it's definitely just a case. You got to be mindful and you got to look into it for yourself. Don't choose not to be ignorant one year longer yeah just make that make that choice to choose not to be ignorant not to be willfully ignorant you can't even you can't even excuse like if you're listening to this you can't even be ignorant anymore because we just told you just told you gotta pull the kind we just told you (laughs) but but choose not to be willfully ignorant and go right back into the festivals and practices that you now know Ain't for us. Mm-hmm. They're they're, they're a snare for us. They really are. Mm-hmm. Man, we 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 hope that this uh, opened your eyes. You know, we we know that these discussions are difficult uh, to listen to. You know, if you made it this far in the podcast, man, praise the Most High that <laughs> you made it yeah. to this point without cutting off. Like, nah, I ain't been listening to that. If you made it to this point, you know, I, I really believe the Most High. Uh, will bless you and open your eyes to see his truth, to see uh, what he really wants us to do, because it's the only way we're going to be set free as a people. It's the only way. So that's the end of the podcast for today. It's part one of the series of truth about Christmas. We're going to get into some more of it on part two. Remember, the most high is the truth. His word is the truth. But the church is a lie. Peace.